Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Good morning, evening, afternoon, friends. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, I am Darren Mott, the Cyber Guy, and I thank you so much for downloading episode 87 of the Cyber Guy podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk with Roland Blandon and Austin Duncan of a company called Packet Ninjas. Had this interview at the National Cyber Summit here in Huntsville, and, and as I was putting my the episodes from that together, I forgot to put theirs in there. So fortunately, they reminded me of that, so this is going to be a standalone with their interview. It was uh, the last interview of the conference I did, and it was, it was really fascinating to listen to some of the stuff that they did uh, and some of the experiences they had. So I hope you'll enjoy that as we close out 2023 uh, with this one last interview from the National Cyber Summit. So coming up in, I mean, and 2022, we're coming into 2023, my bad. So as we come into 2023, a couple things, um, I'm going to take, kind of change the way I do the podcast. I'm going to try to live stream as many of these as I can. So I'm, I'm learning how to kind of configure what I do with live streaming uh, on LinkedIn and YouTube will probably be the two primary uh, live stream areas currently. Uh, and so for every successive podcast after this one, I will live stream them. Uh, and so I will post, there'll be links when those are coming up. Uh, hopefully uh, I did one, the last episode, episode 86 with Paul Perry, we live streamed, came out pretty well. So I'm going to continue to try to do that going forward. I'm also doing that with my Get Cyber Smart podcast. I'm currently in a series there on how to protect seniors online. Recently fig- finished the Protecting Your Kids Online one, and I'm kind of trying to convert that particular short little um, session of of it, bits of information into a longer um, class offering to offer to parents uh, to give them more detail on on things of that nature. So look for that coming up here in 2023. And hopefully, if all goes well, I can get back onto a regular schedule of having guests and recording uh, this podcast so that it comes out more regularly than I've necessarily been doing recently. So I apologize for for the last month or so, kind of haphazardly putting these together. You know, life gets in the way and these things happen, but I'm going to continue to try to push this out. I've been doing a lot of different things um, with LinkedIn. And I've been fortunate. I want to thank uh, Joel Schwartz. Um, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast coming up in a few months when he releases his book. But he is a friend of mine who was with the Department of Justice as an attorney when I had um, a big undercover case back in the early 2000s. He was one of the prosecuting attorneys on that. Uh, and so he was doing news hits on Fox 5 in D.C., on cyber issues, but he got a new job and can't really do that anymore. So he recommended me to them. And I've been lucky enough that I've been on there four times and I got a, I'm coming up next Friday on another episode of that, but I want to, I'm going to play the video of the last one I was on, which was on the 27th, um, the day after the observed holiday for Christmas. And they asked me to come on to talk about how to keep your gadgets safe. So I'm just going to play, uh, I'm going to play the clip from that. It's about three minutes long or so. Because that way, uh, I can remind myself what I said, so that as you as you look at all the devices and things that you've bought for your kids, um, for your parents, for the seniors in your life, some some quick tips that you should take to protect those things as you go forward. So let's take a listen. But what cybersecurity privacy warnings should you be aware of? The Cyber Guy podcast host Darren Mod joins us once more to share what you need to know. Darren, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So um, I, I know folks love obviously getting these gifts, love setting up the phone and installing the cool apps, but there is some serious stuff you should know about. What's the first thing you should do, whether you have a, an old or new phone, really? 
Sure. The first thing for anything is obviously if you have a phone, you have a tablet, you have a gaming device, you're going to have to sign up for access to update those devices, to get access to download new apps. So the important thing is to have strong passwords and multi-factor authentication for all your accounts, whether they're new, whether they're old. On the dark web, there's billions of legitimate login credentials that have been stolen over the years that are being sold online. So the key thing really is to have a long, lengthy password, 13 characters or more, multiple characters, multiple symbols, and turn on that multi-factor authentication. That's going to reduce your risk up to 99%. The, the oh. majority of the way bad guys are getting into systems is by using legitimate login credentials. So if you make it harder for them, they're not going to get in. And for folks who aren't aware, multi-factor authentication is essentially when it sends your phone a text, a code, then you right. put that in, correct? Correct. Yeah, you can either code a text message or you can actually set up a little app on your phone mm -hmm. that is actually safer because it's harder for bad guys ah, to compromise those. Okay. And what's the next tip? So next step is to make sure you have auto update set up because bad guys are looking for ways to find vulnerabilities in all of this technology. Technology is the backbone is software. Software is not created with, with, with security in mind. And so the bad guys are finding flaws in that security and that software and being able to use those vulnerabilities to access your devices. There was a case years ago where the casino got hacked because the bad guys found a vulnerability in the mm -hmm. software in a thermometer in a fish tank and were able to get into oh. the rest of the network. So you want to make sure you update that software when new patches come out. All right. I know it can be kind of annoying when you keep getting those alerts, but it's really for your yeah. own good. All right. Have Absolutely. a guest network set up. What do you mean by that? So the best thing there is when, so a lot of people working from home now, right? So you have, you're cooked up to your Wi-Fi, so you connect into your, your business network. All of your routers can set up a separate guest network, which when, when friends come over and they say, hey, what's your Wi-Fi password? How can I get on your Wi-Fi? You give them a guest password. It's a separated network that makes it harder for compromised devices to get into your main computer. So if you have a new smart TV, you have a new gaming console, you have a new iPad for your kid, if you put them on the guest network and let's say that device gets compromised for whatever reason, they can't pivot off of that compromised device into your home or business computer that you use for your day-to-day -day activity. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, and this next one, have a VPN for smartphones and other devices. Some people are going to say, what in the world is a VPN? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a little device you pay maybe 40, 50 bucks a year for. It goes onto your phone, onto your computer, onto your iPad, wherever you use it. So when you're out using free Wi-Fi at Starbucks or at Sam's Club or at McDonald's, wherever they have free Wi-Fi, all of that traffic on that Wi-Fi connection is unencrypted. So if I'm a bad guy sitting at Starbucks, I could capture your login data when you go check your financial information or your email. If you use a VPN, it encrypts that data so that they can't see anything except a bunch of gibberish. And it's really, it's a one-click thing. It turns it on and you're good to go. And wait, is this like an app or a device that you buy? No, it's a, it's a separate app. So like oh. uh, there's um, there's a lot there's called uh, NordVPN, private internet access. It's just a single app you download onto your phone and you go into it. You When you connect to the Wi-Fi, you yeah. then turn on the VPN. It's just a one button click and encrypts all your data and it, you will be completely protected. Sounds very easy. Uh, and this last one has to do with the kiddos. Uh, what should we know right. when it comes to them and devices? Right. So let's be honest. They're going to be playing on their phone in their room. My daughter, when she was 14, told me after she got older, yeah, I used to say I'd stay up until late in the morning, late in the evening, um, reading my phone. So put a kill switch on your devices so that you can automatically from your phone kill that device remotely. So when you yell and say, hey, come down and clean the kitchen dishes and they're out playing their video games, you can then turn it off and they don't have access. So all they have to do is come down and then clean the dishes. Oh, listen, I mean, that might be the only way you see your kids these days. Right. Absolutely. Um, any other any other uh, suggestions you have as we wrap here? 
I mean, obviously, if you're a parent and you've just given your new adolescent a uh, an iPhone, an iPad, and they're going to be going into social media, do not let them go on TikTok. That's a whole nother discussion for probably another day. But for all of their social media accounts, you need to be the first friend on that social media account so you can watch what they're doing and what their friends are doing so that they don't get in trouble that way online. Very, very good point. We need to have you back on, by the way, for the, for the TikTok discussion and social media. You're right. It's a whole other discussion. Yes, anytime. Thank you. Of course. Uh, Cyber Guy podcast host Darren Mott. There's his information. You should give him a, a subscribe on uh, for his podcast. Really. So thanks again for Fox 5 DC for having me on uh, on a regular basis now to, to have these kind of conversations. One thing I will say in that conversation that I made a mistake on, I want to I want to change is I said, if you use a VPN, you're completely protected. There's nothing that is a complete protection. That was kind of a in the moment of talking, I kind of over overdid myself there. So I will say there is no 100 percent protection. It is better protection than not using the VPN, but um, still just, just be aware that it's not complete protection. So my bad on that one. I want to talk a couple news items here. Um, one is just came out a day or two ago that Twitter has been hacked. I know big shocker and 400 million user accounts are available online. So are you a Twitter user? Uh, are you part of that 400 billion, 400 million uh, data loss? Then certainly what you need to do is change your Twitter password and turn on multi-factor authentication. So reading from this article, this is from cybernews.com. Villas Pitkowskis, senior journalist uh, reporting. Uh, hours before Christmas, threat actors posted an ad on a well-known hacker forum claiming they were selling the data of over 400 million Twitter users. The price? Only $50,000, which basically says that because of the amount of data that you can now get online about people, the cost has come down to supply and demand people. So um, it just shows how much how much information is now available on the dark web for that bad guys are selling, that they're selling 400 million um it's 400 million user account information for $50,000. So, you know, again, just making the point that if you're a Twitter user, really, if you're any kind of social media user, you need to have multi-factor authentication turned on along with your uh, complex password. And it changing your password, the best thing, honestly, forget your password every time and have to change a new, make it a new one. Makes it harder for the bad guys to get in. If your data is indeed compromised, use a password manager to store it. A lot of stuff I've said in the past. One other article, I want to thank Chase, Dr. Chase Cunningham for highlighting this for me on LinkedIn. It is from The Intercept from December 29th, Sam Biddle reporting. Department of Homeland Security can't even secure its buildings against people with fired. And the reason I'm pointing this out is, let's be honest, as we look at cybersecurity across the world, we are allowing ourselves to think we need to rely on government actors or government entities to regulate and come up with methodologies that will protect our data. At the end of the day, whether you're an individual, whether you're a business, it is up to you, it incumbent upon you to do what you need to do to protect your data and figure out the best way to protect it and prevent yourself from becoming a victim. But from this particular article, I'll, I'll mention why I'm saying this. For the fourth time since 2007, an internal audit shows the Department of Hamlin Security isn't deactivating access cards in the hands of ex-employees, leaving its secure facilities vulnerable to intruders. A report by the Homeland Security Office of Inspector General shows that the department is systematically failing to revoke tens of thousands of personal identity verification cards that allow staff to enter sensitive, secure facilities and access internal data networks, despite being warned about the problem for 15 years. 
The issue is made worse, the report continues, by the fact that the Homeland Security internal reporting keeping is so shoddy, it's impossible to determine how many ex-staffers have working access cards or not supposed to. Now, the reason I might this out, not to pick on the Department of Homeland Security, but just to show that in large bureaucracies, even the easiest security pieces fall through the cracks. In this case, someone quits, they have an access card, you should go in and turn it off. It should be part of their out process. And yet still, the, the Homeland, Department of Homeland Security, whose, uh, whose main branch that deals with cybersecurity called CISA, um, which stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, sends out tons of information, makes regulatory requirements, tells companies what they need to do to protect themselves. They, the entity itself cannot doesn't have the capability to re even do the simple thing of removing access to people who've quit the organization. I make all this point. Now keep in mind, former FBI here people, I was in the FBI for 20 years. I've seen the bad, the good, bad, and ugly in the government. So I am not afraid to point out that there's good, bad, and ugly within the government. So the point being we're going to get a lot of news information from CISA, from the department of Homeland security on how we need to secure ourselves from a cyber perspective. Some of that information is going to be valuable. Some of it is not, they're not going to follow it themselves. At the end of the day, what this all comes down to is we all must take responsibility for our own cybersecurity needs and requirements. And we must realize this is important to de- to determine, you know, cybersecurity, I mean, cyber insurance is going through the roof because Insurance companies are having to pay out because people aren't taking the means to protect themselves, to do the minimal things, to assess their environment, to determine where their vulnerabilities are. Um, But do not think that the cavalry from the Department of Homeland Security or the FBI or whomever is coming to save you. They will do good things. Don't get me wrong. They will do good things. They will release good intelligence. At the end of the day, it is still incumbent upon ourselves to recognize the problem, understand the threats that are targeting us, and assess our risk and then proceed wisely because knowledge is protection. So I'm going to jump off this particular hobby horse right now and go to my interview for this week with uh, Roland Blandon and Austin Duncan of Packet Ninjas. I'm joined now by Roland Blandon and Austin Duncan of Packet Ninjas out of Birmingham, Alabama. Gentlemen, thanks so much for taking the time to stop over. Thanks for having us. You probably, when you walked over, didn't know you'd be doing this, did you? Because they just had questions about the podcast and here we are talking. There you go. So, Packet Ninjas, what is it? Uh, We're penetration testing company we were found in 2005 so we've been around for a, a hot minute yeah uh, we like to say that we do real penetration testing we're not like uh, we're going to do a scan and give you some curated results we go in and we actually you know most of our, our great findings are, are manual based findings so we do a real penetration test if you want to improve your security you need somebody who's going to actually do what the attackers are going to do so we pride ourselves on keeping up and doing that kind of stuff and you know we do network stuff we do application stuff Physical security, Wi-Fi, mobile. So you're full red teamers. Absolutely. Exactly. Whatever it takes, honestly, yeah. And so how does, so a company says, okay, I want to test my network. How did, who knows in the company that you're doing it? How how deep, how (laughs) limited is that knowledge base? Is it just... The mm-hmm. IT manager and the CEO knows it's going on and then everybody's free game at that point? Sometimes, I mean, it honestly depends, you know? Sometimes it could be just like two or three people that are aware, you know? Sometimes it could be like a whole team. Sometimes mm-hmm. they could loop in like an entire team. Maybe they'll like loop in the SOC team to yeah. kind of be aware of what's going on. Sometimes they won't just to test them and see what's going on. So it, it honestly it, just depends on what the company wants. Yeah, it depends on what their goals are. So if they're wanting to test the SOC, 
making sure that all the alerts are going off properly and that the processes are being followed. They won't alert the SOC, and maybe the SOC manager will know, but, you know, as the SOC starts having alerts, they'll reach out and, oh, let's follow that to its conclusion, and, you know, maybe they'll give us a block, and they'll reach out to us and kind of show, oh, we got a block, can you stop here and maybe target something else or, or you know, whatever the, is the goal of the penetration. How deep so. have you got? <laughs> We've, we've, we've done a lot together, honestly. I mean, I've, I've been with him uh, at this company for about two years now, and, man, the, the things that I've seen here are things I never thought were possible, you know? I never thought I could even imagine. And, uh, I mean, we've done things from, like, breaking out of Citrix containers and getting, you know, complete access, you know, of the underlying OS and things like that. Um, we've done physical assessments where, you know, we've broken into actual, you know, buildings, you know, kind of like a Mission Impossible style, yeah. you know, riding the elevator, riding behind someone, things like that. So that's what it, some of the goals are, are changing a little bit because yeah. it used to be you wanted to get domain administrator. But usually if you create a new domain administrator account or you compromise one of those, it's, it's pretty flashy. People start getting alerts, that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe we'll go after some of the gold servers. We'll try to pull sensitive information from a database, which is a little bit less you know, something that they're going to alert on. So after you, so after you, you, you do your test and you give them results and here's what we found, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Here's, I assume you give mitigation recommendations or remediation yes, recommendations. Um, do the, hopefully they ask you to come back and do it again. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's the success rate? Like, have you ever had, have you had one yet that has, you, you got in pretty simply and you said, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And the second time you go and you just couldn't get in. They had completely hardened everything and they were zero trust all the way and you were good to go. So generally the way it works is, is we, there's two types of companies. There's the kind of company you give them the report, you give them the remediation steps and you're like, please, if you have any questions, reach out to us because we want to make sure that stuff does get remediated. And yeah. sometimes they're like, yeah, we did it. And it's kind of like appliance thing. It, it seems kind of maybe it's a compliance thing for you. Given the report, you encourage them to reach out as they remediate stuff. Because what we want to do is when they remediate a finding, we like to go back and, and retest the finding just to confirm that it has been remediated properly and it's not an issue for them anymore. Some companies follow that process. Some don't. It really depends on what value they want out of the, the assessment. Um, but we do have a couple companies that we do multi-year agreements with, and we have seen where they started and they were just horrible. And over the course of like three or four years, you know, every year it's getting harder. It's getting harder, and by the end, we're not we're not making it hardly anywhere. Yeah. That's good. Oh, well, that's that sums up on that one. So that's yeah. Yeah. how when they come in. Have you had a company said, "Look, we want we've been required by this compliance test to do mm -hmm. a, a penetration test, but we don't have anything anybody would want." But go ahead and see if you can do that. So we like to tell people if they're looking for a compliance checkbox, we might not be the company for them. Okay, good. Because if they don't want us to find anything, that's not what we want to do. Because if we find something, we're going to tell them. Sure, sure. How many have said, oh, you need to, we're going to, we're going to keep that just between you and me, what you found. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of companies want us to sign some sort of NDA. So sure, sure, sure. But I mean, just be, I'm talking like the CEO gets the results oh, and tell okay. nobody else about this in the company. Well, like the best that we'll, we usually do for someone, right, is, is like, let's say a client, we've done something for them, we find a critical and, you know, we report it right away and uh, they go ahead and they implement some kind of fix, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll, re, we'll retest it. And once we, you know, confirm that it's been fixed, we'll go ahead and write in the new report, we'll draft them up a brand new report with a final saying that it was redacted, you know, or not redacted, um, that, you know, it's been, uh, it's been taken care of and remediated and then we usually put in you know the date of the remediation and we'll show not only like the steps we took to originally get to that but we'll also show the steps you know uh, improving that at the end you know it has been remediated as of this date mm -hmm. um so 
I mean, we try to do our best to please everybody, you know, um, mm -hmm. but that, that's pretty much the way that we like to go from there. So I don't want to ask about any of your special sauce or stuff, but how often do you, when you're doing a, when you're doing an, uh, an engagement, do you find like new stuff you hadn't seen before? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very, really, really often. And do you, so do you build your own internal intelligence network that says, okay, here's stuff we found here. So go ahead and try it. Yeah. Going forward. And do you, okay, let me, let me so let me rephrase that question slightly. Sure. Is, there a is there a community of pen testers that shares that information from a protective standpoint, or do you keep it close hold? Well, so uh, usually the way it works is, you know, as you develop friendships in the pen testing community, people share stories. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And um, usually it's not really into specifics. It's more about the, the technology or what you were doing when right. you were trying to fight. There's usually no names that are involved. And next time you're on a pen test and you see something, that story is going to come to mind and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to try this method because I heard this one guy talking about it. And then you start researching it and you learn everything you can about it. And, you know, sometimes that works. What's the advantage to the manual pen test? Because I know there's a lot of companies that are going to automate it. I mean, ultimately, I, there's going to be a lot more people are going to say, look, you don't have to go here. We'll, here's, a, here, here's an API into our tool and mm -hmm. you can do your own pen test. There is some benefit to doing that. Okay. Um, Especially if you're trying to do like a stopgap in between, you know, maybe you get a yearly penetration test done and in the meantime you're running scans, you know, people are standing in new boxes all the time and I'm sure it'll find some things that are, are useful and, and can help you remediate stuff. But in terms of the manual stuff, that's usually where the meat of the pen test is, is in the manual findings. It's just experience and looking at things and seeing how things are working differently. Right. I mean, an automated tool can't kind of make those types of connections. It doesn't okay. have the same uh, kind of logic, you know, or kind of like the mindset that yes. we have, you know. We, we kind of try to think of different ways, you know. You kind of see how something reacts where, like, these things have, you know, set criteria of something. Mm -hmm. Just try this, move on to the next, try this, move on to the next. But, you know, if, if we see something, usually, you know, it, we, we could see, you know, kind of easily when right. there's something that is, you know, needs yeah. further review, you know. And we can keep going at it and keep going at it for as long as we need as opposed to something that's just going to do, like, a one check and then mm -hmm. keep going. Yeah, and the automated can't do the manual you can't, you can't break into no. the physical. No. It makes it a little right. harder that way. It's just like some of the automated checks, um, I don't know, but like Burp Suite that has like the SQL injection check, a lot of times what it's doing is it's, it's looking at response one after it submits a you know request, and then it analyzes response two after it submits a slightly different request. And sometimes it'll come back and it'll say, these responses were different. SQL injection. Right. Um, and that's not even close to how it works. I mean, some of them just, it's difficult for the AI to analyze the response and there's so many different possibilities of what you can get. How do you make a, sure. a tree? Um, this is actually SQL injection. Kind of so, <laughs> I, I'm sure I know the answer. <laughs> I know the answer to this question. I'm asking anyway because yeah. it's good to ask. How easy is it, how easy is it to use social engineering to get in? Extremely easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. even bother with the other part. Just, just, that, that's well, one of the things that I've been kind of wrestling with over the past few years is that everybody knows social engineering works. Right. Yeah. And so if you're targeting people and you're getting in through those means how much meaningful security are you showing the organization? Are right. there other steps that good they can point, take point, to yeah. mitigate after the social engineering has taken place? Because if you know it's working, maybe we should change the way we're approaching that and we should have some steps that happen like, oh, there's been that initial compromise. And so what's step number two? Is there anything we can do to prevent further escalation of that, if that makes sense? Right. Mm -hmm. Because you can't eliminate the human element. So what's the what's so I, what's the I, I'm going to tell you a story that someone told me, okay. and then I, I want you to tell me your equivalent type of story, sure. okay, if, you, if you have one. Sure. Right. So yeah. this guy was telling me about a penetration <laughs> test, and it was into a facility. Long story short, they sent a email to 28 people in this 400 person mm -hmm. entity and said, 
You've, if your name is on the attached Excel spreadsheet, you have not taken cybersecurity training for the year. We're going to turn off your access on Friday. Right. How many of those 28 people do you think clicked that link? Almost was, yeah, was 32. Was. They forwarded to other people who also clicked. Yeah. <laughs> So what is your sim? What is you got a story like that? We uh we actually ran an engagement not long ago, um, where I kind of set one up. Um, we had a uh, a dump like a, a like breaches that this company had beforehand, mm-hmm. like a couple years back, um, and I kind of crafted like a more custom email that it was kind of saying it was pretending to be like you know a, a good faith researcher that is reaching out and saying, oh, you know, I found your credentials, um, and you know it, it would pop it would populate you know their email address and the credential that we had found. And say like, oh, you know, if these are actually your passwords, you should go to this link and you know, oh yeah, it's good changed. one. Yeah. And and I mean, in in this engagement, um, they they had some good uh, protection in place to stop it before anyone was able to actually click on it. But uh, I I've got that one ready and set to go for the next one. I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> it'd be interesting to see like what mm-hmm. your percentage success on that is. Right. right. I mean, yeah. who would click on that? Yeah. If, I mean, if it's actually their password, that right, right, I right, you would almost always get a click. So and how many? So how much of this? Does it translate to the user when the company has the results of what you guys did? Mm-hmm. Does it translate to the user say, I need to be more careful of this when I go home now? I now recognize this issue, or is it it's just another thing the company did, and I got nothing at home, no one's going to want to get to me. So I would think like what you guys do would be good education, even if they don't know what you did. Yeah. Right. But they, but the, the report says, the company says, we had this happen and people got in and this is how they got in. Mm-hmm. People would think about it more, but what do you find so there? I've actually got a good story about that. When okay. we, we did it a physical engagement, right, where the, the last year that, well, the first year that I did it, um, I mean, we broke into this building with no problem. Like, people didn't even look twice at me. There was one point where I needed to sneak into the first floor inside of a, like, locked, uh, inside of a locked room, and I called Austin on the phone pretending that I was calling my manager and that I was IT and I was like oh is it this room right here and as soon as I said that a lady was like oh yeah this is the media room just you know come right in right behind me just walked in and walked around I was going computer to computer pretending to read out numbers and I was plugging in this USB with this payload that we had (laughs) and just you know getting getting everything that we needed but then this this next year that we did it um, we went up and we rode up the elevator fine no problem but once we actually got onto the floor and tried to go around and go mm-hmm. on computers and stuff, I got spotted like instantly. I had like two people run to me and they were like, hey, I don't know who you are. And they went as far as like, what's your name? And I gave them my name and they were like, okay, wait right there. And they even had a new system that they had a directory and they specifically had like every single name of every person who worked at that company. Mm-hmm. And she didn't find me and she's like, mm, I don't know about you. And she reported me to the IT guy who, lucky enough, had seen me in engagement there like at the Wi-Fi session. So he knew who I was. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take care of it. And he just took me back without alerting anybody else. Okay, but so they didn't call the police. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I there mean, was law enforcement in that building, actually. Thank you. Yeah. Know. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you haven't been arrested? You haven't been arrested? No, we <laughs> have been escorted out uh, very sternly. <laughs> very, very. <laughs> even, even after giving them our get-out-of-jail-free letter. Right. And oh, okay. getting a call from our contact inside the building who said, yes, that's them. But then security, I guess, was so offended that they oh, wow. forcefully awesome. escorted us outside yeah. the building and waited in the parking lot as we drove off. So I got one for you. You probably already know this one. 
one, but I, I saw this on LinkedIn. Okay. So it was a good one. Okay. Guy said, you know, in order for him to get in the building, he, he had three packs of Dunkin' Donuts and his hands <laughs> full, and they let him write it. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> so we that. actually came, came in with boxes that first time, mm-hmm. like boxes of books and stuff like that, and like, yeah. we couldn't carry anything more. And people were just yeah, if it's around Christmas time, just some wrap presents. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Toys for Tots. But yeah. uh, going back to the story that, that Roland told is the reason why he was spotted is they implemented a really cool program that I thought um, it's probably a little bit easier to do because they were a smaller organization, right. but they had a meet your IT staff email that they would send around and they had like a, I think like a, a lunch, like a snack thing. And so they had the IT people there. And so they were like, everybody had their picture circulating. Like, these are your IT people, please meet them. There's like four of them. And so when they saw somebody who's coming around, it's like, hey, I'm IT. It's not one of these four people. So, oh, good. That's yeah, very yeah. smart. Very right. smart. Yeah, it was. I mean, we we thought we had him that year. We we the last year we we didn't really get the dress code right, but this year we had come <laughs> spot on. We came dressed up. We right. had even fake badges that we created and everything. Yeah. But yeah, that that system had really that was that was a really good one. We hadn't mm-hmm. even thought of that. Some, so that's awesome. Well, so how do people find you, Jeffels? What's your website? Packandinjas.com. Uh, com. Yeah. Um, you can fill out a form there, or you can uh, contact us at contact at packandinjas.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for stopping by. They're closing up the shop here, so I guess I better start dis- disassembling all my podcast stuff. Yes, so. I got, no, we got so trucks much. going through the, the exhibit <laughs> yeah. hall and everything now. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Thanks yeah, so much for having us. So again, I want to thank Roland and Austin for joining me at my booth at the National Cyber Summit here in Huntsville. It was funny. We were we were talking, and in the middle of the day, it was like noon, they started, they started closing the convention hall. It was the weirdest thing I've honestly ever seen. But hopefully in 2023, I will be back in Huntsville doing the same thing and maybe find some other conferences to go do this for as well. We'll see what happens. I also want to thank again Fox 5 DC for having me on as to talk cybersecurity things. I will be on again this coming Friday, January 6th, uh, early in the morning to talk about TikTok and social media. I did a big brain dump about that yesterday to send to them for their informational purposes uh, leading up to that for conversation because I'm sure, as you know, I certainly do indeed have thoughts about TikTok. With that in mind, I hope everyone has a happy new year, has a safe new year. And I hope 2023 comes back and is is great and promising for everyone. I'm going to be doing a uh, live stream with the cyber junkies, cyber crime junkies here coming up, predicting some things coming in 2023. Hopefully we'll dual stream that with the cyber guy podcast at the same time. As you go through the rest of this week, no knowledge is protection. If you can understand the threats targeting you, you can assess your risk and proceed wisely. This podcast is available on all your famous, popular podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and so on. If you like what you hear, leave a review, give a listen, tell a friend. Have a good week.